Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there, but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. This week, I'm doing something I've never done on the podcast before. I am interviewing one of my best friends, which could be the most amazing thing I've ever done in the podcast realm, or it could not be because our episode is so full of inside jokes and our weird voices. So maybe it's just good that you listen so you get a better idea of who the real Kat Harris is. But one of the reasons I am having Sarah Del Monte, you might know her as Tutti Del Monte on the Instagram world, is because I love her story. I love the way she approaches life. She's taught me so much about grace and patience and humility and femininity. And we've basically been joking since I started the podcast, when am I going to have her on? So now is that time. She has had massive transition in her life over the last year. And we're talking about that. How do you move through transition? How do you move through unexpected change? And how can we approach the gray with grace and patience and fearlessness? So I look up to this woman for a million and one reasons. She is one of my besties, Tutti Del Monte. I can't wait for you to get to hear her incredible story. Welcome to the Fine Collective <laughs> Podcast. Um, this is going to be the most annoying episode you've ever heard. All, we're going to try really hard to get all the inside jokes out. Out of the way. <laughs> you guys might know her as Tutti Del Monte. Mm-hmm. She's my best friend. She makes lots of appearances on the Refined Woman Instagram. Mm-hmm. I know her as Sarah or Sissy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, might as well just be honest. Let's just go there. Let's just go there. Um, it's This is a hard interview because I feel like with interviews, I usually don't know the people. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I don't know how to interview because I know you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you feeling right we've, now? Yeah, we've had a lot of words out of the way in our three years of friendship. Mm-hmm. So we, we know a lot about each other. We do. And it is hard to intro someone you're so close with, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People always ask us, how did we meet? Mm, yes. Do you want to tell the story? Yes. Okay, so I was living in a new apartment with two new roommates, and one of them had a friend who ended up being a mutual friend of ours. I don't know what tends to use in this interview. My ex? <laughs> <laughs> so Catherine's ex <laughs> was friends with my new roommate. So um, we decided to throw like a housewarming party and that's where I met your ex. And we then kind of bonded over the photo process system and how we both loved creating out of a place of like not for a client, just like for creation, you know? And so we... 
um, came up with this concept and he then said like I have a friend who's going to be your next best friend and she should come to the photo shoot. She's a photographer as well and she has all the equipment that she's renting so might as well just do it. So we ended up doing that in my apartment and then as soon as you showed up, obviously you being his friend, uh, I opened the door and it's you and it was just like we always knew each other. Love at first sight. It really was. Soulmates. And since then it's, I don't think we've spent many days without seeing each other. Except for the last six months. (laughs) Cue this interview. Cue this interview. (laughs) And it's funny because my context of meeting you was my ex left said party. He messaged me and said, oh my gosh, I just met your, your next best friend. You guys are going to like totally fall in love with each other. And I feel like when people, especially guys try to like set up girls to be friends, it's like, a disaster. It's kind of condescending. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. you don't, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> and I agreed to go and do this photo shoot, and it was like literally. I remember right before the door opened, he was like, "Get ready, get ready. You're about to meet your best friend." And if the only reason why he was in my life was to meet you, I certainly it. believe that. Yeah, I do. Too. I really do. Yeah. So now so we've just, we we're, we're sitting in bed. We're literally in my bed covered in a blanket. And so we've been, ever since we started the podcast, you've been begging to be on. Please, it. please. <laughs> and I think we've just been trying to figure out like, what do we want to talk about and mm-hmm. how are we going to talk about it? And what's the story um, without being super annoying? Like mm-hmm. right now we're giving mm-hmm. a 15 minute. People are probably fast forward. People are this. like, get me out of this interview. What is it about? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where we're landing on is um, your life has changed a lot mm-hmm. in the last year. Mm-hmm. So tell me a year ago, give me a snapshot of what your life looked like, of what our life looked like. <laughs> <laughs> and give me a snapshot of what your okay. life looks like today. So we're in October mm-hmm. 2018. October 2017, I was at the peak of my, I would say, singledom life in New York, killing it at the gym every day, feeling... You looked good. Thank you. Feeling that I was working toward like my best self. You know, I, I wasn't dating anyone. I was taking a lot of me time. And I felt like something big was happening and we both talked so much about, like we both felt like there was something big coming Mm -hmm. and we didn't know if that meant for you or for me or for both of us or our whole friend group or our friend group or if it was something professional or if it was something personal. But I think we all had that sense that there was a shift happening Mm -hmm. and that we were in it. So yeah, so I was working out a lot because that's what I love doing. I was investing a lot of time into my vision for my business. I was, which is, which is, um, a photography business, Mm -hmm. um, called Boudoir by Tutti. And I was really creating a lot of things that I'm just so proud of. Like my, my work with couples, intimate photo shoots with couples that I felt was really a, um, a representation for where I was in my heart in that stage, just like just searching for that, like, what does intimacy look like? And I don't know. I was just like really loving that space in my life. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to where I am now. I, I left New York. I'm, I'm living in Florida and I have a two month old baby. Wow. And you just finished pumping. <laughs> and I just finished pumping and offering my milk to everyone. And I tried it. And you dipped. 
I dipped, I dipped the finger. <clears throat> Those taste like honey almond milk. It was true. Yeah, it sounds really sweet. Good. Um, I think also we lived in the same building. Mm-hmm. So I remember, la- I think it was last June, writing in my journal. Uh, we used, So we lived in the same building. You lived right below me. It was literally like a friend's situation. We had keys to each other's apartment. We saw each other every single day. We worked out almost every day together. We did yoga together. We did meditations together. I mean, we were just kind of attached at the hip. Mm-hmm. And I remember writing in my journal last June, like, I feel like everything's about to change. And I just need to soak this up. Mm-hmm. And... Like even just like what you were just saying, like our it's like we felt that in our friend group so deeply. Mm-hmm. We were like we're on the precipice, we're on the cusp of something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for you, your life has just changed completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine has looked differently too. But mm-hmm. I mean, what I want to just hear for you about mm-hmm. is kind of unpacking that process. Mm-hmm. Like something that. I've loved so much about our friendship is you've taught me so much about what it means to be connected to the feminine heart, to my feminine energy. I'm more like I can be stuck in the masculine. I'm like, I need to get the tasks done. Like if it's in yoga, I want a nail warrior too, or I want to nail the handstand or I want to like get to the pose that I want. And you've always taught me like the transition is just as important as the end process. Mm -hmm. So I would just love to hear from you, your story. Yeah. So what happened? Um, I mean, yeah. I, this is where it feels weird to interview because yeah. I'm like, I know exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what's interesting is I still don't feel like, obviously the story is not over. Right. You know, so it still feels like it's, it's still happening. Um, but it's just so surreal mm-hmm. to kind of think back to what you just said. Like, think back to a year ago. Like, I could not have began to imagine that this was Mm going to be my life. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was everything changed, like you said, professionally, personally, emotionally, mentally, um, logistically, geographically, everything, Mm -hmm. because I I got pregnant, you know, unexpectedly. Let's unpack that. Mm -hmm. You get pregnant unexpectedly. Mm Mm-hmm. Then what? Then what? I refer to those times as the dark ages. <laughs> those were dark. <laughs> they were dark times. Yeah. It was in it was the hard. dead of winter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I felt like everything was kind of uh, such a reflection of what was happening in my life. Mm-hmm. So I got pregnant and I was not planning on getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I knew that this was something I always wanted in my life. And of course it wasn't in the time and way that I had always thought it would happen. Mm. Um, but there was such an opportunity that I saw when I, when I found this out Mm -hmm. and it took me, my community, it took me some time and some, it took me time to understand like what this would mean for my life Mm -hmm. and all the changes that would come because Mm -hmm. of this decision, you Mm -hmm. know, to have a child. I was, you know, living here in New York and I, I just remember starting to dream about what life would look like with a baby in it. And I, I saw a lot of aunties and uncles and family and laughter and togetherness 
And I saw myself kind of like doing the same thing that I was doing, but with a baby. Mm -hmm. And so I was planning on staying here in New York and just figuring it out. And can I just print to say something? Mm -hmm. As I remember, like maybe a couple days in you finding out you're pregnant and I asking you, would you ever move back home to Mm -hmm. Florida? And it was like... (laughs) Never ask me that question again. I'm yeah. not moving. Like I'm, I'm staying here. I'm not going home. Uh-huh. That's the last thing I want to do. Right. Yeah. I remember that well because it was the last thing I wanted to do mm-hmm. because I wanted to, my life to continue the way mm-hmm. it was plus a baby. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the way, um, now knowing and now having experience having a baby, mm-hmm. I would want to have a baby, yeah. you know, brought into this world. So I remember that feeling of like, absolutely not. This baby is not going to change my life. He's going to be brought into my life and adapt to that, which obviously is a good mindset to be, but like not to an extreme. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while. It took me a while. I did a lot of logistical work, I would Mm -hmm. say. Like I plugged numbers in. Like what does it actually look like to have a baby in New York City or in Brooklyn? And what are the costs involved? And I had to approach it in a very pragmatic way to Mm -hmm. understand because my heart was just exploding in different directions Mm -hmm. of, you know, all the things involved. And so it took me to just sit down and get black and white with it, like numbers. What does it actually look like? Not just what I dream that it looks like. Mm -hmm. And then I just realized the type of life I wanted for, for Levi, my baby, is is not this right mm-hmm. now. You know, it doesn't mean hustling. It does he needs me to be in a mindset of calm, tranquility, stability, protect protection mm-hmm. and that that's not here. Mm-hmm. And I think it took me like what 3 months to come to that decision yeah. on my own. And it took also like the universe and God kind of showing me the way. Mhm setting up opportunities and closing other ones for Mm -hmm. me to understand this is not going to happen here in New York. Mm -hmm. I remember my business start, I stopped getting emails for, Mm -hmm. for people, for business. Remember that? Like it felt like it just dried up completely out of nowhere. Um, I just wasn't getting approached. I wasn't getting any, any inquiries. Um, and then the ones I was getting were getting shut down and it just felt like hitting the same wall over and over again. And I just kept feeling more and more stress on top of this huge decision that I had made, um, to, to be a mother Mm -hmm. and it just felt really hard. And then my living situation shifted as well. Like my roommate moved out out of nowhere and I had to try to find a roommate so I could meet rent. And then that didn't happen. And my landlord was super kind and let me live there and just pay my half of the rent, which is unheard of in New York. Yeah. And with the only caveat that I would move out within the next month. So then it was like all of the signs were pointing at like, you need to figure out a way to exit New York. Mm-hmm. And God was like making that path much more clear mm-hmm. than keep trying to make New York happen. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just, I think I just listened to those because I had no energy to fight more mm-hmm. toward the ones that were not happening for me. Yeah. So I kind of just kind of like a river, just kind of flowed toward the easier path. Yeah. Not easier, but you know what I mean, like yeah. the natural one. What comes up for me when you're saying that is just how hard it can be for me mm-hmm. and probably a lot of people is just being so attached to 
this is not how I thought it was going to happen. And like, I'll just make it personal. So I've just been struggling with like, do I want to stay in New York or not? Like Mm -hmm. I'm tired. The hustle is getting harder and harder, but you know, this. like, I really struggled for a long time, even thinking about the idea of leaving New York Mm -hmm. because I was like, well, my plan was that I was going to leave married Mm -hmm. or leave like dating someone seriously. And so I, I, I'm not going to be open to it until that happens. And just being so attached Mm -hmm. to the way I wanted things to go. And it has been hard for me to learn to like, let go with that and go with the flow, even Mm -hmm. though like what you're saying, like you were like, I had no energy to like fight up Mm -hmm. against it. But like, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Like, I think now looking back of like going through that transition and moving through it with fluidity, what would you say to the person who's like struggling with like, this is not what I thought my life was going to look like. Cause I think you could have pushed through. Mm -hmm. Like I think our culture teaches us and especially the mentality in New York is like survival of the fittest, Mm -hmm. like push, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And when there's a will, there's a way. So you could have done that. Like I'm thinking like idealistically, you could have done that, right? but you didn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a, like that's a really intentional choice. Mm -hmm. I think what I kept coming back to which is my place of groundedness, what keeps me kind of sane, is what is the bigger picture here? Mm-hmm. Like, what is... When I'm 80 or 90 years old, years old, like, when I look back, like, what are the decisions that I can make now that I feel led to the life that I dream of? Mm-hmm. And me staying in New York and f- hustling and fighting for this idea of... Um, having it all and not changing a lot of what my life looked like fighting for that like in that bigger picture seemed ridiculous Mm -hmm. I was like why why would like old me telling the younger present me like what were you thinking when you had this other beautiful option that was presented to you and given to you I would have been like, yeah, that's not the decision to me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of kept going back to what's the bigger picture here? What's important here? Yeah. And what what kept coming up was what's important here is Levi, mm-hmm. is, is my baby. Yeah. And giving him the best life and the best welcome into this world as possible. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not something to put your hat on. Like, if you're struggling, then just think of the bigger picture. You do picture. these three yeah. things and then your life will be perfect. Right. I realize that's not what I'm saying, but I just, when we're in something, when we're struggling with something, there is so much emotion and heart involved. That it's really hard to take that aerial view of mm-hmm. what our life will look like given A or B decision. Mm-hmm. But I think the more you can do that, the more you can take yourself away from this present feeling because our feelings are so strong, mm-hmm. the more you can get yourself out of that and think of like, what is a bigger picture of what you want in your life? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Then I think we're more able to, from a grounded place, make yeah. decisions that are conducive to the life that we want. Yeah, And that's kind of the place I was in where when I decided to move to Florida. Mm-hmm. And kind of along those lines, I feel like you've had so many different transitions, transition of going from not being a mom to being a mom, Mm -hmm. to living in New York, pursuing your dreams, Mm -hmm. to living in Florida. Mm -hmm. What, what did you think pregnancy was going to be like? Like, what was your expectation of that time? Mm -hmm. And what was it actually like? So kind of with what you were saying, like my plan was, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I always thought being pregnant was going to be uh, with with a a partner, you know, by mm-hmm. my side, experiencing every little kick mm-hmm. of of the baby, every appointment at the doctor's, every little milestone, um, kind of experiencing that together within a uh, a serious committed relationship. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't my case, you know. I wasn't in a committed relationship with Levi's dad, and it was really different. Like pregnancy looked very different of what I imagined because. I remember feeling sometimes alone at night in bed and I could feel the baby and I could f- I felt so sad that no one was getting to feel that with me mm. and that I couldn't just roll over and say like, feel this, feel this. Cause that's what I always dreamt of. Mm-hmm. So those were moments where I would get, I would get really sad mm-hmm. and I would get, I would feel self pity, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, you decided this. Um, but what would get me through that is thinking I still have those things. It just looks so different. You know, Mm -hmm. like you would feel the kicks Mm -hmm. maybe not in the middle of the night because we wouldn't be cuddling, you know, (laughs) much to your disappointment (laughs) because you hate sleepovers. I do. (laughs) So, but you would feel them, you know, during the day, Mm -hmm. um, or my parents would get to feel them. Mm -hmm. So like the idea of having a partner through this just looked very different. I had a lot of partners, you know, I had a community, I had, it just looked so different. Mm-hmm. So those were the little things during pregnancy yeah. that I experienced a lot of like missing out on things mm-hmm. that I would just have to shift my mind, like how that looked. Yeah. I just shift out of it. It just looks different. I'm still getting it just in a different way. It mm-hmm. looks completely different. Mm-hmm. And then the physiological things of pregnancy. Um, I loved being pregnant. I remember feeling super tired. Do you remember that first trimester? Yes, I was very concerned. <laughs> I was just, I, I just kept sleeping and sleeping. And then I remember, I think that's what kind of led me to the decision of like, I need to leave because like, mm-hmm. I don't have energy to answer a single email. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. And then the second trimester was super fun. And I was able to work out until the last two weeks of my pregnancy. So that I was so lucky in that, that I was healthy in that way. And those kicks, man, they're, those are just like the most, I, I really miss those. Mm-hmm. They're so beautiful. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, um, like what your journey with God has looked like throughout yeah. this. Um, I always joke with you that like, God really, really loves you because he answers <laughs> crazy prayers for you. Um, and yeah, I feel like we're all in our own journey and what has that, cause I feel like there was a time where we were like doing devotions and meditations mm-hmm. a lot before you were pregnant mm-hmm. and then it kind of stopped when you got pregnant and yeah, just what has God looked like for you? It's an, it's a, what's it called? Um, or as you say, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I think everyone should know that. I'm J- from Puerto Rico. J-E-S-I-S-Z. <laughs> everyone should know, by the way, that my first language is Spanish. Okay? Because if not, they won't get this joke. They're to think you're being cruel. <laughs> I just love the way you say Jesus. 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 <laughs> so what has God looked like? Okay, so I feel like... God has really appeared in my life when you came into my life. And we say this a lot, how you are my angel mm-hmm. and you say that I'm your angel. And I really do believe that because 
having a friend like you who is such a champion for me is is really rare and I mean our community is like that and Mm -hmm. by our community is our our close group of friends and Mm -hmm. I know they're all like that but God has really really showed up in my life in the way of you Mm -hmm. I think for first and foremost and all of our devotional and meditation times when we get to talk about the Bible and all my silly questions. About, They're not silly. Just like, what does this mean? Why Why does God sound angry in this verse? <laughs> what did she do to deserve this? <laughs> and then you kind of explain it all to me has been like, honestly, such a, a joy for me. And then I think with this whole pregnancy and now this new role as a mother, I've just been able to see clearly how magical our life and God is mm-hmm. as simple as that. And just as simple as writing down a prayer mm-hmm. as, as simple as a prayer can be, um, or a very complex prayer writing mm-hmm. it down in my journal and then seeing months later or weeks later, or whenever, how it's been answered mm-hmm. in a very real way mm-hmm. has been eye opening. Mm-hmm. And, I experience God now through Levi. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he is such a direct representation of of what we don't see mm-hmm. in the spiritual realm of our life. Um, but I still have so many questions, mm-hmm. and I think that's like that's what I love about the whole topic of God is that I still have a lot of questions, but I still have a lot of love and mm-hmm. um, respect and, and an open mind about mm-hmm. religion and God and all these things. I I want to be this person who's like, God, this, Jesus, that, you know, and I, this is the truth. And, mm-hmm. but I'm not that mm-hmm. at all. I'm more of in the boat of like, holy shit, God is amazing and what he has created and mm-hmm. what he allows our bodies to do and create and give mm-hmm. and, but I'm, I'm still in, I don't know how to label myself. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole labeling thing and religion being brought up Catholic has been a be- very big trigger for me. Yeah. Um, I don't like saying I'm this or I'm that. Yeah. So even just like being able to talk about what God and how does God show up in your life and my life has given me like a lot of freedom to experience God mm-hmm. without having to label it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Am I babbling? Not at all. No, No, I think that's, I think what Mm. is so cool about what our friendship has been is we come from really different belief systems. Mm -hmm. And I think I used to have this very limiting belief that like as a Christian, I was like, I don't know if I can really have like a real sense of depth and intimacy and friendship with someone who doesn't share this thing about me that feels like so core to my identity. And I think friendship with you has like, I mean, I tell you this all the time, like you teach me so much about Jesus. You teach me so much about who God is by the way you live your life. And that I love, like, we also joke all the time how I'm wrong so much and how like I just have been wrong about so many things and I've just love and I, I love that we are able to connect and be like honest and real and have like differing views mm-hmm. but that doesn't change anything about our friendship and mm-hmm. like you're not here with an agenda to change me and I'm not here with an agenda to change you and 
Yeah. I love what you said just about how like you having this openness to like experience God outside of like the label and even just kind of like what we're talking about, like the system or the framework of quote unquote, this is how it should be. Mm -hmm. This is how it should look. And I feel like if there's like anything I experience about life and God is that like God is never going to be allowed to be put in a box. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is how you think I am. Well, I'm going to show you I'm different or, oh, this is your plan. There's this quote that's like, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's like the beauty and hard, hard moments about life is you're like, Mm -hmm. it's never, it has like, I'm 33 years old, single. I'm not dating anyone. I live in New York city. I run two businesses. This is never what I thought my life would look like. I thought I was I was a Bible major. I thought I was going to be a pastor at a church and married by the time I was 21 and have four kids by now. And those weren't bad dreams and those weren't like bad plans. But like, I'm so glad that God didn't give me what I wanted when I wanted it because I'm so grateful for the life that I have. Likewise, I feel the same exact way. Like same, 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 same. (laughs) I just, I mean, I would just say exactly what you just said and how grateful I am mm-hmm. that this has been my life now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Have you seen that movie sliding doors? Yes. Like that one decision yes. or that one little thing that's different. Like the whole, how two lives can be comp- like parallel lives just based on one thing being different. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And when you think about all of the little things that have, have that have happened for mm-hmm. us to be here, totally. Um, to have the things we have or the things we don't have, it's all decisions. It's mm-hmm. all, but in this, I don't know. I just feel very grateful that doors have been closed when they have been and, and doors have been opened when they have been. Mm-hmm. Like I feel very, very lucky to be in this space of awareness, our, like the love that God has for us. Mm-hmm. And I am. I'm very aware and I feel it and I, I see it through mm-hmm. through Levi. Mm-hmm. He's such an answer to so many prayers. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when I met him last week, I just like, I literally like picked him up. I looked him in the eyes and like, do you have any idea how many people have prayed for you? Like mm-hmm. dozens, probably dozens of people. Yeah. That's really I cool. I mean, it, it really like tugs at my heart, you know, cause it's, it's who would have thought? Mm-hmm that this little bundle of joy would be here first of all. Mm-hmm. And who he is already is just such a reflection of the magnitude of, mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And who would have thought I would have been even saying that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that in itself is an answer to prayers. <laughs> Ashley, are you listening? <laughs> Ashley's my roommate. Um, no, I agree. I really agree. I think even just when you're saying that, I'm just... One of the things I pray a lot is like how God is in the details. And we've talked so much about like, I pray really specific things. Like if I need $273 and 47 cents, I'm like, God provide this exact amount of money because like, I think God is answering our prayers all the time. And I think God is in the tiny minute details of our lives, even if it's getting on this train mm-hmm. car versus that train car, because it's the little tiny everyday decisions that make up mm-hmm. the pillar magnitude moments of our lives. So like even just thinking about your story with how Levi came about a gazillion things like what was set in motion before you 
Even. And baby daddy, even. I know. Can I refer to him as that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you bef- please refer to him as that. <laughs> before you two, I mean, I just even think of like how many times you guys probably even saw each other before seeing each other. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely believe in that. Mm-hmm. And I, oh my God, I could sit here and make so many jokes about it, but for... For everyone. I won't. Slow down. I cannot remember the first time my mom told me this, but she's pretty much been telling me this my entire life. You see, I have been the person that jam packs my day down to the minute. I want to be efficient. I want to be productive. I want to have the best use of my time. But what often ends up happening is when the stars don't align and everything doesn't go as I have planned, Things get a little chaotic, which how often in life do things go as we plan them to? Not often, right? So I have been challenged over the years and over time to pause, to slow down, to reset, to maybe even give myself margin between different projects or tasks throughout my day. And what I've discovered is when I create space, when I create margin, when I actually slow down, I can do more things. It feels so counterintuitive, y'all, but I want you to live this life of being slowed down from the inside out too. It's not something that I am this great expert at. I am a pilgrim on the journey with you. So I created a free downloadable guide, How to Reset how to slow down six ways that I practice in my day-to-day life to interrupt the chaos, to interrupt the running, the hustling, the striving. So I want you to have access to that too. I, I don't know about you, but I want to live a life of peace, of groundedness, of not running, 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 running. So join me in learning how to slow down. Go to therefinedwoman.com slash freebie where you can access how to slow down six ways to reset. So I want to hear about like your birth uh-huh. and now. I mean, Levi's two and a half months he's, old. He'll be 10 weeks this two and a half months. Oh my God, oh my God he's so cute. cute. I just uh-huh. want it. I he just, really is. I miss him. Like, I know. I, I feel like I, for a, a long time, have been super annoyed when moms, all they want to do is post pictures of their babies. And I'm like adamant about not wanting to do that. But all I've been doing since you've been in town is posting pictures of Levi. I'm and like, I haven't even been posting pictures of Levi. Just like, I'm I feel forced. really proud. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. So what is, what is birth and being a mom like, and was there maybe mm-hmm. like one or two pillar moments from the birth experience and then now what you're experiencing. Okay. So let's see. So birth was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was, it was so cool. Like yeah. I now looking back, it was so cool that I got to connect to my breath in such an intense way. Mm-hmm. Like it's the, it was like the, the epitome of what body mind connection is, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was just such a, complex experience Mm -hmm. getting to understand what was happening which was the baby is coming down my birth canal Mm -hmm. you know and just understanding that and understanding that the pain from the contractions was caused by that 
And then willing myself to breathe. I mean, that in itself gives me goosebumps. Yeah. It, it was such a, like, talk about God. Like, that is connected to, like, the highest power mm-hmm. in this world, mm-hmm. I think. And women are incredible. They really they are. They really are. And no expletive necessary to, mm-hmm. to say that. Um, so that's a side note. And birth was just, what was so crazy to me now being able to think back is how magical it felt, but at the same time, so natural. Mm. Like it's such an organic, at least that was my experience. Um, But it wasn't easy for you. And talk about like what your plan was versus what happened. I didn't know if you wanted me to get into the details. Well, you don't have time on this podcast. (laughs) I mean, I think it's important. So yeah, you have, again, this is like this, this transition, like you are having this plan. Yeah. So what was your plan? My and- plan was <laughs> no, like absolutely no interventions. Mm-hmm. Um, my plan was to have my water break naturally. My plan was for my body to start contracting naturally, essentially for labor to start naturally and for everything else to kind of take its course as it would. What actually happened? No drugs. No drugs. No epidural. No, absolutely no epidural. No C-section. No, nothing. Nothing of that sort. I wanted to experience birth. I just wanted to completely experience it. So what actually happened was I went to my, I was post-due, my post-due appointment, um, two days after my due date. And the doctor found that I had no fluid left in my, in my sack, amniotic sack. And it's really hard not to make a joke about that. (laughs) In my sack. Get your mind out of the gutter, guys. (laughs) So I had essentially no fluid, and I was with baby daddy at the doctor's, and before we came into the examination room, I was joking with him saying, like, all of our friends and family are, like, at the beach or at home, like, what, how cool or funny would it be if we're like, yeah, we just, we we had the baby, yeah, (laughs) baby's here. Like we just kind of like did this on our own type thing. Mm-hmm. Like you can do, keep doing your thing. We're we're just gonna be over here. And I was joking how like a lot of times that's kind of what happens. Like you go into into an appointment and the doctor says like, oh no, you're kind of you're dilated. You you need to go to the hospital. You're ready. Mm-hmm. And so we were joking, and then we go into the doctor, and he's checking the the fluid. Like I said, there was zero. But he comes back in after he examines, and he we don't know this by now. And he's like. So you're, you're not going anywhere. And we look at him. We're like, ha ha. Cause you know, we're jokey type people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, no. You, you have to go to the hospital. You're going to get induced today. And I'm like, what? Stop it. No. I, I'm like, are you being serious? Cause he didn't crack at that point. <laughs> I thought I was making a joke. <laughs> and he's like, no, there's zero fluids in your sack. <laughs> and <laughs> you need to go to the hospital. You can't go home. And I remember feeling this, it was like a staring contest. (laughs) (laughs) So you're telling me. You're telling me there's a baby in here. You're telling me I can't go to the beach today? What? I literally had my, my beach bag ready. I had my tanning oil already on, my clean tanning oil, let me say that. (laughs) And... I, it was just like such a shock because mm-hmm. that meant everything that I had planned 
would from the very get-go be different. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like I was coming into the hospital already with labor and this or that. It was like, no, we're going to induce you. We're going to get this party started for you. And I remember feeling very ungrounded Mm -hmm. and very unprepared, even though I had spent months preparing. And I just felt like someone was continuing to pull the rug from under me, but I wasn't allowed to fall. Mm. I was like, okay, so I need to be like on right now. And I don't feel on it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like my strength and my willpower and my everything was being tested in that exact moment. And it was the first time I actually leaned on baby daddy mm-hmm. for emotional support because mm-hmm. I wasn't, pre- I, I didn't think I was prepared, you know, mm-hmm. talk about all these things we have planned and it, I don't know, it just gave me like such a feeling of, like you were saying, plan something and <laughs> the God up there is laughing. He's like, ha ha ha. <laughs> ah, you thought it was over? Games uh, are just beginning. You thought it was like these. Oh, he's a French guy. <laughs> Let the games begin. Um... So anyway, the hospital and the office were are right next to each other, buildings. So I literally couldn't go home. I couldn't even like get in the car, even though we did get in the car to switch parking spots. But like we couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we go into the hospital and the lady is like, so like basically like, what's up? And I'm like, so I guess I'm having a baby today. I was so awkward. <laughs> I was like, I was sent over because I'm having a baby. As if they don't know. It's <laughs> labor and delivery. Like you, it's like, they can't tell you're pregnant. No. So I think I'm having a baby. So yeah. So that was the beginning of that. So then, um, that was around 4 PM ish, I would say. And they said they wouldn't induce me as in and administer the the Pitocin that induces your labor until midnight because they wanted to allow me to eat before. Because once you start contracting and doing all this stuff, um, you're not encouraged to eat. So I also think that might have been a little play to get the other doctor that was going to be on Mm. call the next day deliver. But who knows? Then, so anyway, I ate. I I got an enema. Nice. (laughs) Because I was like, I'm not going to be the one pooping here. (laughs) Nope, not on my watch. So I was like, give me that. So I did that. And I remember like, it was so uncomfortable. It's it's just not comfortable. And the nurse was like, try to hold it as much as you can. And I was like, this is going to be a test for what labor is like. Like try to do something uncomfortable as much as possible. And I remember feeling like such a (laughs) wuss. It's like, like five seconds. It's like five seconds. And I'm like, this is not going to be pretty. This is labor. Don't look at me. <laughs> Everyone out of the room. I need some alone time. It was so embarrassing. Besides, yeah, so obviously the people understand the implications of that. I hope. So then I had a meal and then at midnight they gave me the first dosage of the Pitocin and they were giving it in my IV every um, hour at that point. It was like a very slow drip. Again, I think this is because they were waiting for the next doctor mm-hmm. to come in, in the next day. And so I, my body was starting to contract, but I, could, I was 100% in control. Like mm-hmm. I was just breathing. I was even able to rest, which is this, this first stage of labor mm-hmm. that they talk about. 
you're still able and encouraged to rest through it. And But obviously the excitement is really hard to kind of ignore. Mm-hmm. You just want to stay awake and call everyone and tell them that what's happening. So anyway, the doctor that was the next day comes in around 6 a.m. and he looks at the charts and he's like, oh yeah, we need to really, really up this. Because at that point they were concerned for a risk of infection since they didn't know how long my water had been broken. And I didn't know either because apparently it had been leaking. It could have been the night before, two days before, three days before. I, ha- I had no idea. I just thought I was like, you know, losing liquids. <laughs> like you do when you're <clears throat> pregnant. Like it's, things get sloppy down there. <laughs> you don't know what's happening. You're like, oh, whatever. I, I think it's normal. <laughs> so anyway, that was the risk that they were concerned about. So at that point, he comes in and he's like, no, we need to really, really kind of like kick this into gear. We, we can't risk infection. So he kind of turns up the notch on the, on the Pitocin. And then it was starting to increase every, instead of hour, every, I think, 30 minutes or something like that. And he's like, you're not, you're not in labor yet. And I was like, what do you mean I'm not in labor? Like, don't tell me I'm not in labor. Who, gave Who has me? been breathing through every contraction for the last six hours, dude? Don't tell me. Yeah. Yeah. What a jerk. What a jerk. <laughs> so then um, he ups it, and then from 6 a.m. until noon, I was my birth or my labor preferred position was um, over the bed. So I was feet on the ground, kind of like L-shaped, laying my chest on the bed. We, we raised the bed so that it would just be me kind of laying like that. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like breathing and still being in control, like the contractions were there. And But I wouldn't like, it wasn't like the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh my God, I, I think I got this. Like I'm, I'm really able to focus on keeping my body super, super, super relaxed and just letting each contraction come and go and taking it one at a time. Like I felt in control. And then he comes back at noon, the doctor, and he looks at the chart again. He's like, sorry, we need to really, really get your baby out of here. Out of here. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. He's got a job (laughs) application due. (laughs) So he then upped it again a thousand notches <laughs> it felt like and then they were dripping like every 15 minutes at that point and he went in to my to check my cervix and he did what's called he ruptured the membrane which he I, he was actually checking to see if the, there was still a membrane because we weren't even sure like is this ruptured or not <laughs> that's the only language I know by the way so he, he felt something and he just ripped whatever he felt and no, no liquids came out. So it wasn't like, I was definitely leaking before mm-hmm. that. So, but it's all kind of got stacked. So they increased the Pitocin and he ruptured whatever was left of my membrane. And that's when things really got hairy in the delivery room. <laughs> At that point, I was, that was noon. At that point, it was what you see in the movies, except I never lost my cool. Like, I wasn't, I didn't even have the strength to scream or yell or anything. I was only able to kind of bend my knees and, and straighten them through each contraction and breathe. And toward the very end, when things got really, really, really hard, I would let out these, like, 
very primal sounds. Like they almost sound like a cow. <laughs> <laughs> Not even kidding. If you give us an example. <laughs> No, thank you. No. <laughs> it wasn't very different from that. It, not, not too far off, to be completely honest. I'm, yeah, I'm not even joking. It was very primal and very deep. And my doula would encourage, like, get deeper. Get deeper. Like, just let it out. Like, have that be what you release. But there was no release. And it felt like hell. It was just what you fear about labor is like not even close it's Mm. just insane and um there was no let up there was no release there was no I wasn't getting a break it felt like and you can it was really interesting if and I'm super into like our what our bodies are able to do and Mm -hmm. what we know in our body before we even know it Mm -hmm. is a machine shows you like when a contraction is about to start and when it's happening and the peak of it and as it's coming down so that's really helpful for like your birth partner you know so, um, I had my doula there, baby daddy and my mom. So they would take turns helping me like physically with, with each contraction, they would like ease or at least try to the pain by doing certain like movements and positions and adjustments. But what was really interesting is that I knew when the contraction was coming way before the machine did. Mm. So I would just be there and I would be like, it's coming, it's coming. And it still didn't show, but they would get into position and it would come. But it got to the point that there was no release for them. They weren't coming down. Mm. They were just plateauing at the peak. Mm. And it just felt really dark. Yeah. So I ended up uh, around 2.20, I would say. So between noon and 2.20 was really, really intense. And at 2.20, I decided to ask for an epidural. And I had fought for so long about, like, I want this natural, I want this natural, I want this natural, I want to experience this, blah, blah, blah. If I say this, don't, like, don't give in to me. Like, just tell me, remind me that I want this, that I've been fighting for this. So I, at that point, I had to convince people with, I don't even know what strength I had to convince people that I was serious about this epidural. And I think I was dilated to, like, seven centimeters. Centimeters? Millimeters? Mm -hmm. I forget. Centimeters, yeah. (laughs) inches feet <laughs> meters yards <laughs> miles I have to pee so bad <laughs> so anyway they didn't want to give it to me and blah 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 long story short they gave it to me and it took that it took like 30 minutes by the time I actually got it until it actually started kicking in which is something you don't know it's like you think you're, you ask for it and you get it immediately and then you feel it immediately. But no, no, you're still feeling the contraction, the worst of them. But anyway, um, it was the best thing I could have done. And it's just, I'm not like pro epidural now, but seriously, like I am very much like I am with everything in my life, just very flexible and open-minded now mm-hmm. about everything. Mm-hmm. And... Like I said, women are incredible. Women who are able to go through that naturally, oh my goodness, kudos. Mm -hmm. But I am so thankful that I made the decision that I made when I made it to get the epidural because my body really like just opened up immediately after. So I think by the time they gave me the epidural and Levi was born at 3.47 p.m., which is a short window, from the time they gave me the epidural to when I dilated to 10 fully, 
was like 30 minutes. That's it crazy. was in- insane. It was like, I just needed that break. Mm-hmm. And that's what the epidural gave me. Mm-hmm. And so everything became like super great in there. It was like a tranquil space and everyone was joking and I was smiling. My dad was even there. It was like a party. <laughs> and um, I did some practice pushing, which sounds weird, like, what do you mean practice pushing? <gasps> Don't I just push, like, for real? <laughs> I did a couple of rounds of practice pushing, and when when I was crowning, the doctor then, like, got in front of me, because he was on my side, brought the lights in, he brought him, he asked if I wanted a mirror, and I thought they were going to bring in, like, you know, a compact, like, what you get at Sephora when you buy, you know, too much. <laughs> And no, they brought in like a vanity mirror and I looked and I was like, I think you can take that away now. (laughs) (laughs) Too much. I've seen enough. (laughs) So, and then I pushed, I think like for 15 minutes and Levi was born. And what I was saying earlier about how like it was so intense, but at the same time it was so organic like as soon as the doctor allowed me to like pull Levi out and like self-deliver him to me as soon as he just got placed on me it just felt so natural mm-hmm. I just it just felt like so yeah like the way it should be like mm-hmm. it just felt not easy but it's just so organic just oh man just thinking about it mm-hmm. I don't know birth was so cool yeah yeah I just feel it's like the most connected anyone can feel no matter how they have birth or experience Mm -hmm. birth or even if they don't give birth but have a child like that moment you first see your child is just otherworldly I would say Mm -hmm. so what do you think well first of all thanks for sharing all that I think a lot of women are going to be encouraged by that and your story and even just I think as women we put so much pressure on each other of like what's the right or wrong way to have a baby Mm -hmm. and whether it's like I'm pro vaccination or I'm pro epidural or I'm anti and just how like you can have a, I feel like this whole interview, like it's all what we're all these different layers are like, we can have the plan, Mm -hmm. but like life is going to unfold the way life is going to unfold. And it's probably going to be different than the way we expected. Totally. And to like have space and grace for that is, um, that's what I see in your story is like the space and the grace for like, all right, like here we go. Mm-hmm. Let's do the epidural. Mm-hmm. So kind of like looking back at your story, what, like if you could go back to like, you know how you referred like the dark ages, yeah. like those, that month when you find out you're pregnant and it's like unexpected and you know, all these changes are about to happen. And there was, I just remember like, us as a group of girls coming around and we all felt like we all felt the heaviness like it was like there was like a fog Mm -hmm. that was like not lifting just because it was hard Mm -hmm. um what would you say to yourself now if you could go back and comfort yourself or tell yourself what you needed to hear what would it be I think it's something I read in a dove chocolate (laughs) Always goes back to chocolate. It really does. Chocolate and boys. And <laughs> I don't know the quote perfectly, but it's something along the lines of like, if you're going through something and it still feels hard, it's still it's still not the end. There's mm-hmm. like, you still haven't experienced the end. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like that is a a version of what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. I was feeling like I was in it and I'm, and I still feel like I'm in it. Mm -hmm. And it still feels like when things feel hard, you're just in the process. Mm -hmm. And if I could go back and say something to that dark age, me, I would just say like, experience the process, Mm -hmm. you know, like there is, there is going to be light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. There always is. Mm -hmm. The light might not look the way you think or the way you thought or the way you dreamt, but you will experience light again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, is that, I don't know. That's like a big abstract way of looking Mm -hmm. at it. But I just remember, I vividly remember that physical heaviness Mm -hmm. of, there's a lot happening right now. There's a lot on my plate. There's a lot that I'm feeling. There's a lot I'm responsible for. I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. I could drown right now, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And I remember not knowing like which way the surface was. Mm-hmm. And and I remember how easy it was to kind of get to sink into that. Yeah. Because it felt so heavy. But now having gone through everything and still going through everything in different in different stages mm-hmm. I would just tell myself like just be patient just continue showing up continue showing up to yourself with love with kindness and I would just encourage myself to be super gentle with myself and that is like I think what I keep reminding myself of like continue giving yourself gentle love and mm-hmm. kindness because during those types of times, we don't need to fix things. We don't need to do anything. We just need to experience it. Mm-hmm. And we need to be really, really, really tender with ourselves. And I think that's kind of what making all the decisions that led to me moving to Florida and all the other big things have mm-hmm. allowed me to do. It's just, what can I do to show myself some love and grace right now? Mm-hmm. Is it moving to Florida? Okay, then I'm going to move to Florida. Mm-hmm. What can I do to experience light again? You know, is it continue fighting and hustling? No. Go with where you feel the most taken care of, self-love, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I would tell myself. Mm-hmm. Like, just give yourself the most kindness you can give anyone else. Because we tend to do that. We tend to give grace and kindness and love so much more to other people before we give it to ourselves. And I think allowing myself to, to giving myself permission to give it that to myself was a huge step, stepping stone mm-hmm. in my journey toward feeling light again. Mm-hmm. Lightness in the sense of like compared to the heavy mm-hmm. burden, but also in terms of light, you know, like mm-hmm. not, not dark, mm-hmm. light. And to experience joy and to experience, you know, that childlike uh, light. I don't know how to else to explain it. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah, just just giving myself kindness and giving myself patience is what I would go back and say. That's great. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of what you told me when I was going through a breakup. Mm -hmm. When then your dad told it to you. Mm -hmm. That no matter like how dark it seems, like the sun will rise. Mm -hmm. The sun will rise tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Let's get a tattoo. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. Of course. I love you. And I miss you. I kind of want to cry. I know. Let's not cry. (laughs) Is there anything um, that came up for you during this interview? During this interview? Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, of course. 
I just think back to, it was crazy watching you go through this experience and be in it with you. I think what I learned is a lot of like letting go and letting go of my agenda. Um, Cause there were a lot of conversations where we would have, and I felt like loving you well meant letting go of like what I wanted for you. You know, whether those it was like, I selfishly wanted you to stay in New York, you know, um, I feel like what I'm constantly learning about who God is and who Jesus is, is like God loves unconditionally and like I love so conditionally. I think it's just how we are as humans and to like get to a place. I remember like during some of those fog moments where it was like, I have to let you go through your process. Mm -hmm. This isn't my process, but I felt so invested in your process, but I was like, wait, this isn't mine. Like, this isn't my story. Like I get to be here and I get to support you, but like, it just felt so much bigger than itself until I kind of step back and like, watch you come to your decisions on your own and it just was really beautiful Mm -hmm. like I feel like I didn't realize how much I was trying to like control not you but like I just wanted to help Mm -hmm. you know I just wanted to like support as much as I could but like I think what you talk to me about so much like support and love is so much more about like being than doing Mm -hmm. and I'm such a doer so like I wanted to like do anything I could do to help Mm -hmm. or be there for support but like the best thing I could do was to stop doing and just be. Mm -hmm. So that was coming to my mind. Just like when you're talking is just like how, and just how like my life is never just about me. Mm -hmm. Like my decisions impact you. My decisions impact strangers. Like just how much, even though it was like a hard time in our community here, like our girlfriends, we miss you so much, but like I just feel so grateful for our friendship and for even just like seeing you come back with the baby and like the girls just like coming around you. Like Mm -hmm. it just, it feels so much bigger Mm -hmm. than us. And then I also think, um, and I've said this to you before, like, you know, going back to how we kind of all felt. So we're talking about our community. It's like five, five of us girls, Mm -hmm. I believe. Right. I think five of us. Um, yeah, me too. Actually, I'm not. I was a math minor, so <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. There's that plug. There's that plug. <laughs> um, but we all kind of felt like something really big was about to happen in our lives. And it ended up happening to, you know, Francesca moved and, you know, you have a baby. But you have a podcast. I have a podcast, I guess. <laughs> so, like, it didn't happen the way we thought it would happen for you, but it's like, you living in Florida, you being at the beach, you being a mom is like everything I always saw for you. Mm-hmm. And now like seeing you as a mom, like you're more grounded. Like it's, it's like exactly like what I thought mm-hmm. you would be doing, mm-hmm. but it just looks so different. So I just think that's like really cool. I think like there's been this like acceleration and all of our lives. Like I've had big changes in my life this year. You've obviously had big changes. Like everyone in our little group, like something massive has really happened, Mm -hmm. but it's like the end kind of like the end result is like, this is totally what I see. It's always what I saw. I never saw you living in New York long-term always like have imagined you being a mom and being close to nature. And so that's just been cool just to see, like I struggle still just getting so attached to like how I thought it was supposed to look. Mm -hmm. Um, and even just like 
get really, I can get really hung up on the logistics and I realize I can do that out of fear. Like, so if I'm afraid of something, I'm going to like allow myself to be paralyzed by like all the reasons why it couldn't work or all the logistics that have to be done. So I'm just constantly inspired by like watching you just like move. Like you talk about it. Like it's like, Oh, I just like moved fluidly. Like I moved home and, and it wasn't all like sunshine and rainbows, but like you moved through it with such grace. And I just feel like I have so much to learn from that because I get so stuck on like, but this is the way I wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. Or like, I need X amount of dollars. So I need to do X, Y, Z to make that happen. And as opposed to like trusting, Mm -hmm. I feel like you're really good at trusting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there is a lot of balance to what you're saying because I know that I was able to make these decisions in a fluid way because I had people like you and my parents and my brother and my friends like being that what you are explaining Mm -hmm. like being the doers like okay why don't we if you want to stay in new york why don't we figure out how much it's going to be i didn't even think of that i'm like i'll just have a baby (laughs) how hard can it be (laughs) it'll work out Mm -hmm. um so i think it's like getting to that balance Mm -hmm. because i remember i am allowed to be i allowed myself to be fluid and to go with the flow because i had the knowledge that you gave me, that mm-hmm. my parents gave me, that, that perspective, I guess not knowledge, that perspective. So like, don't beat yourself up for being one way. We're all different, yeah. but I've learned as much from you. Like, oh yeah, I can't just like be a little butterfly flying through the <laughs> freaking universe. I'm hoping, a fairy. <laughs> hoping everything works out, you know? <laughs> I need I need certain things that, yeah. that you help to remind me of. Mm-hmm. And... But what I think you're saying is so true. It's like, we need to be aware of how we usually show up, what our Mm -hmm. defaults are, and always course correct ourselves when it's not serving us. Yeah. Just be aware and notice, like, why am I so attached to this outcome that's not even in my life, you know? Yeah. Um, But I think even just what has come up for me as you're resharing your story is just how, like... I just feel like left and right, God answered prayers. Mm-hmm. He really did. And like continues to. And I think there's a lot of reasons why I believe in God. And there's, um, I mean, it hasn't been always like an easy journey for me, but I know like the, the black, to me, things that feel like black and white fact. Mm-hmm. But like the reason I think over the years why I have like stayed on this path of like seeking to know God more is because of the experiences I've had seeing God show up like in my family's life, like my dad getting sober after being an addict for 15 years, seeing like miracles upon miracles, seeing like God show up in unexpected ways in your life and my friend's life and my life. Like, it's like those, it's like, I can know like, well, here's the argument and here's how I can win the argument to prove. Mm-hmm. But for me, like what it has always gone back to is like these experiences, mm-hmm. um, that I'm just like, I can't deny that there's something bigger going on here. And it's like, I also can't deny that. Like, I need something outside of myself to intervene in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I can't actually do it on my own. Yeah. yeah we don't, we don't have that much power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of us do. I like to think I do. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> and you will really try to convince people that you do. <laughs> if there's anything you guys don't know about Catherine, she's very confident even when she's wrong. It's true. No, it's def. we definitely take a right at this yeah, light. No, it's definitely a right. Definitely no, a right. It's definitely down the right. Yeah. No, Catherine, 
It's actually down the left. Nope. We're going. <laughs> nope. You've right. never even been here. All right. Let's go down the right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think you're right. I think it was the other way. That's a very okay. big metaphor for my life. <laughs> I'm usually wrong 50% of the time. Well, I love you. I love you. I feel emotional. Do yeah, you feel emotional? Too. Yeah. 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 A lot of things are at play. Mm-hmm. Just being here. Mm-hmm. It's. I was walking up from the subway going to the store that I always went to, picking up the same things I always picked up for us. Mm-hmm. And I was walking the same exact steps. And the same marks were on the floor. Some new graffiti, of course. Mm-hmm. But it felt the same but so different. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. And there's a lot. There's a lot at play. Mm-hmm. But that's the beauty of life. Mm-hmm. You never know when one thing is starting, when the other one's ending, or what you're in the process of. Mm-hmm. All I know right now is that I'm a mom and I need to pump again. (laughs) And that's the end of this interview. (laughs) Love you. I love you.